TBRFM, Pittsfield. Welcome to MMWTBR, the all-inclusive ham radio show for hams and non-hams alike. Be part of the show. Contact us on www.facebook.com slash hamjamtv. Get this right. Yes, it is. Well, we have kind of a show today. We we are home. It is, as they're going to tell you shortly, it is my birthday, and we are doing the show from home. And, and, and to that effect, I don't normally do this, but... Happy be- birthday to you. You be- smell like a shoe. Before we get to the show, because I don't normally do this, but we have a tradition here at the house. Yes. That every time it's somebody's birthday, we play... The Beatles' birthday. So guess what we're going to do? We have to. It's tradition. Come but on now. Guess what we're going to do before we start the show? Woohoo! All right. So... I know I did this yesterday at the live show for the Beatles show, but this is my birthday, and here's the Beatles. Happy birthday with Paul McCartney. For anybody in the audience who's got a birthday today, happy birthday to you. That's our tradition every year. Yes, yes. So every no, year no, and every birthday. No, he's not tradition. here today. Yes. So let's get right into the ham radio portion of the program. So the big talk 
is that a, uh, you know, the Starlink satellites. What's a big stink? The Starlink satellites that Elon Musk put up that had, you know, the the, inter- the uh, worldwide internet that's like $600 to set oh, up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, a geomagnetic storm on February 4th significantly <laughs> impacted the launch of some 49 Starlink <laughs> satellites. The company said the satellites were intended to achieve low Earth orbits after being sent aloft on a Falcon 9 launcher. Starlink is a satellite internet constellation operated by SpaceX to provide satellite internet access. SpaceX said it was it initially deployed its satellites into low Earth orbit so that in the very rare case any satellite does not pass initial system checkouts, it will quickly be deorbited by the atmospheric drag. All did all all did not go as planned, however. <laughs> Unfortunately the Starlinks the satellites deployed on February third were significantly impacted by a geomagnetic storm on Friday, February fourth. SpaceX announced this week these storms caused the atmosphere to warm and atmospheric density at our low deployment attitudes to increase. In fact, onboard GPS suggests that the escalation speed and severity of the storm caused atmospheric drag to increase up to 50% higher than previous launches. The satellites were commanded into a safe mode where, as SpaceX explained, they would fly edge-on like a sheet of paper to minimize drag to effectively take cover from the storm and continue to work closely with the space Forces 18th Annual Space Control Squadron and LEO Labs to provide updates on the satellites based on ground radars. A preliminary analysis showed that the increased drag at the lower altitudes prevented the satellites from being moved into higher orbit, and up to 40 of the satellites will re-enter or already have re-entered Earth's atmosphere. The deorbiting satellites pose zero collision risk with other satellites and, by design, burn up upon atmospheric re-entry, meaning no orbital debris is created and the satellite parts hit the ground, SpaceX said. So, basically, Murphy's Law went ahead and hit into effect. Anything that could go wrong did go wrong? Well, it's not that, but you're putting satellites into orbit and this is supposed to be an internet thing. It's supposed to give people the internet. Thing cost six hundred dollars to set up. So, when you have geomagnetic storms, you have no internet, and the geomagnetic storm eats up the satellites. Yeah, there, there's, there's the problem. So, you know, the 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 that satellite thing is great to put up in orbit, so everybody has satellite if you can afford six hundred dollars yeah, to seriously. set it up, and then you know a hundred dollars a month, whatever it is. But one good geometric storm could take them all out, and forty percent of them went bye bye. Wow, that's really really crazy. We have a guest. We have a guest. He has fur, but we have a guest. We have, Say a, fur, hi to we have a furry guest. I, I, I died and see how he actually meowed. He's licking the microphone just in case anybody wants to know. As best far as we're getting. We always have guests. Next week we have a guest. Fred Kemmer will be here, AB1OC. Yay. And he will be talking about what's going on since his election to the New England District Director. Awesome. See how busy he's been going? See how busy he's been going. See what kind of craziness they've been giving him, right? See, uh, see, see what he's going to do. Basically, what what are you going to do for Western Mass? That that's what we need to know. Ah. We know what's going on in Eastern Mass. We need to know what's going on in Western Mass. All right, we're going to go to what do we got? You got news? I have news and weather. All right. Well, let's do your weather first. So stand by. And. And 14 for night 
And uh, tomorrow, you guys are really not going to like this. 60% chance of snow at 13 miles an hour winds. And for Friday, we're up to 25 for the day, 4 at night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No one's going to like the cold. It's coming back with a vengeance. And uh, unfortunately, we got 30% chance of snow with the winds at uh, 22 miles an hour. For Saturday, it looks like the snow finally gives up. We've got 20 degrees for the day, 17 for the night, and 14 mile an hour winds. Saturday, or Sunday rather, sorry, it will be 29 and 18 miles an hour. Talk about deja vu. I mean, Mother Nature is giving us nothing but Powerball things. So, looks like uh, things are getting a little crazy with the weather, I feel. A little bit. She needs to stop hitting the bong and going to hold my beer at the same time. Hitting the bong. So what do you got over there? Um, I, know, I know you've been holding on to stories for a couple of weeks, and yeah, we got time here. so I have a story right here. It's about um, ham radio and segregation, actually. I, I didn't. I didn't believe it when ham I found radio, it. Ham radio and segregation. This being Black History Month. Yes, exactly. So go ahead. I do I, your thing. I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't even know it existed until I saw it. Well, that's that's <coughs> degrading. Uh, let me let me see here. Of course, it goes on. Of course, at first it goes on to say. Uh, ham radio is kind of non-commercial broadcasting, also known also known as ham radio. The people who do it are known as hams. It's a popular hobby. And there are more than two million. That was a nice sound. There are more than two million ham radio clubs around the world, and a ton in uh, in uh, Southwest Ohio where the where the um story takes place. Commun- community Voices producer Charles Charles Edwards, a rookie ham, says every operator has a call sign they use to identify themselves and she and she has or Charlene, I'm sorry. And she has a story about the colorblind quality of ham radio broadcasting. Hams can convey a great deal of information in their own ham speak. Five nine, for example, means someone has has a good signal. Uh, Seventy three is sign off. That means best regards, which we go ahead and we close some close show out with every time. Uh, when needed, ham ham broadcasts for ham radios. Go ahead and broadcast for emergencies, natural disasters, and community events. Robert Moore, also known as Bob Moore, Jr., and K-A-K-A-E-J-M has been a ham radio since, has been a ham operator since 1959. Uh, The first visit, of course, has a bunch of stuff, some of the contacts being from Florida, Florida, Italy, and Germany on the wall. And bookshelf with tech manuals on on on, on others is ham radio amplifier and oscillator used for high speed Morse code. There's a world map, and of course he has a bunch of countries. In his con in his country though, mirroring America's history wireless radio has had a racially seg- racially segregated past which I didn't even know about. Well, Logo amateur operator Cliff People uh people's call sign K A K E A Q R knows its history and the in the 40s and 50s the country but still being very segregated and black amateurs around the air. They still they still could not integrate in the system as far as amateur radio goes because uh, white amateur operators would not talk to black amateur operators. 
How in the world would you even know that? Yeah, yeah, thank you. That, that's my, I mean, that's my question. How would you know? Because it's audio only. So exactly. are you going by the typical, oh, well, he's got that deep voice. He sounds black. He must be black. But how, do, how would you know? That's the, only, that's the only way I'm thinking how, they went with that. How, how would you know on the radio if you're a black operator or a white operator? I have no idea. Now, with us, we usually have three cameras pointing at us so you know what we are. Uh, yeah. But if I bring, you know, a, a guest in here and I don't have the cameras on, yeah, if I bring, like, our next-door neighbors or something in here and I don't have the cameras on and all you're hearing is the voice, how do you know that that's a black person on the radio? I have no, I have no idea. None I mean, most... African American, you can. I, I, you, I've picked up a couple of them. Um, I know a couple of them that by voice you can kind of tell, but that's a couple. With the amount of amateur operators in this country, and I know a lot of African American operators, half of them you can't tell by their voice. So, no. and like I said, unless they went with the extremely racist, unless they went with the extremely racist crap where. Every, you know, every African American person went ahead and did went ahead and only talked jive and stuff like that. I'm sorry, that's just really bad racial profiling. Come on now, guys, come on. Yeah, but why, why do you? How can you segregate on the radio? That that makes no sense whatsoever. We had a very close friend of ours who was a ham in Albany, and for the longest time. Um, when when he would speak, I thought he was white until I got to meet him face to face. And I said to him, um, you're not what I expected. And he turned around and he goes, that's okay, dear. He turned around and he goes, a lot of people see that and express the same thing. And he turned around and he goes, it always teaches us, never go ahead and think just because you hear a person's voice that that is the color that they are. I says, yeah. I says, thank you. I says, you just showed me exactly what you're supposed to f know and not feel. So. So there. Uh, hold on. I still have oh, more. Oh, you have more. <laughs> yeah, I have more. I, I, we are I'm, talking all over the top of <laughs> we you. Want, it's all right. One in the cone, one in Cat the cone. sleeping on the cartboard. That's <laughs> beside the point. One and two. Go ahead and say that. Um, uh, blacks organize their own their own groups of amateur radio operators. And the first black organized black organization in the in southwestern Ohio was actually formed by eleven gentlemen from Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, and Kentucky. Hence, it was called all. O M I K. Uh, in addition to using M radio technology as safe haven, more indicates that black uh, black amateurs also use it as a passport. Uh, there were people who were traveling around the country and they needed safe places to stay, so amateur radio organizations had a network of places for travelers to stay, especially when they were in the south. Uh, and person asked, asked them how black how black operators were able to participate in a hobby before OMIK was founded. One of the advantages of operating of operating CW is that nobody knew what color what color you were. You couldn't you can't be discriminated against if you're sending code because nobody knows by your voice. Most black, most black people, I guess, on radio would probably sound probably sound like the black. That was his comment. So they operated by code CW on radio, and one of the advantages of operating CW is nobody knew nobody knows what color you are. You can't be discriminated against if you're sending code because nobody knows. And at the time that we were talking about about 
there weren't that many black amateurs anyways a lot of us you a lot of us did operate CW even every afternoon I'd run home I think I was probably in seventh or eighth grade and this lady lived in a farm down in Kentucky so I would so I had a little telegraph key and I talked to her for about two hours and uh, I'm sure that she did not know I then I know I was black I was just a little kid and she talked to me every afternoon and went on for and that went on for a long time it was really fun I'm not saying that she probably wouldn't have talked and talked to me but the fact is is that I didn't have to worry about being rejected because nobody actually saw me and let me see by the 70s five-faced discrimination from different clubs in Ohio there was there was mentality that existed in the attitude of amateurs like society as a whole. The adults and older people were still, you know, hung um hung up and, and you know, we didn't you know, that we didn't belong or shouldn't be there. But I still but I still say that I was treated pretty well because there was only, there was only one of me and they didn't have to worry about competition first of all they knew they knew I was only going to be able to do just so much so nobody consider was concerned about me taking anything away from them and they and they also knew too you know I took the test I took the test I worked hard got my license and I tried to be a nice guy you know, I figured, I figured I'd had that time I was young and things would get better. As far as I'm concerned, they did get better in amateur radio and the world in general. So, there you go. There was, there was segregation for, uh... uh apparently, you figured the one place that would be untouched is the world of radio. Yeah, I know. You'd, you'd figure. I mean, that segregation gone way too far. The one place that you figure would be untouched by all this gets touched. I'm glad that that's all over today. I'm, the, I'm glad too. You know, I mean, this, the segregation horrible. stuff is enough. You know, February being Black History Month. When we come back from the break, we'll have some local news. Yes, we will. And we will have some more ham news. You're listening to Ham on and WTBR. Captain Kirk, Captain Kirk, sensors are picking up a Klingon battle cruiser, rapidly closing on the station. Hi, this is Sergeant Mark Madeline with the Pittsfield Police Department. We all have busy lives and we're in a hurry to get to where we need to be. While driving, people are eating, drinking, talking, putting on makeup, doing their hair, checking social media, texting each other, all while the dog sits on their lap. The result is running red lights, stop signs, speeding, and finally crashing. Distracted driving is illegal. You can be ticketed or criminally charged. Please share the road and pay attention. Let's make sure everyone gets where they want to go safely. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Hi, this is Sean Sayre, Executive Director of PCTV. When Taconic High School was demolished, we could have lost this radio station. Instead, PCTV stepped in, built a new studio and transmitter, and gave the station new life. And now it's time to pay that back. Support this station today. Go to WTBRFM.com and click the donate button. You won't be sorry. Pittsfield Community Radio thanks you for your support. The competition has taken notice. Oh my God. Good luck keeping up with us. <laughs> Amateurs. 89.7 WTBR. And we are back. Yep, we are. We don't, we don't have your, your news jingle, so. <laughs> WTBR News. All right. Um, <clears throat> four workers fired after thousands of Massachusetts drivers got licensed without road test. Four employees of, four employees of Massachusetts. Registry of motor uh, uh, register of motor vehicles uh, was fired this week after it was discovered that nearly 
2,100 drivers were given license without road tests. That's a no-no. Officials at the RMV confirmed the news to Boston Globe on last Wednesday. Well, that kind of explains the traffic saying, here in Boston-Pittsfield. The situation is currently under investigation. Yeah. Uh, it says, um, upon, upon, upon discovery, the supervised activity regarding the insurance of the road test for in, 20, in 2020, the register of the motor vehicles launched an investigation and of issues to the law enforcement um, the RMV has uh, determined that, yep, they gave 2,100s were guaranteed license without a road test. All of the impact and individuals have been contacted and will be required to take a pass and road te test within 10 days. Oh, okay, wait, one. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I do have here. Let's do this officially. Okay, uh, there's your official. Now I find it. Now he finds it. Isn't that incredible, folks? The RMV later determined that since April of 2018, uh, a total of 2,100 drivers were given road tests were given pa passing uh, passing marks by the two test in instructors at the Brocktown Customs Service Center for road for the road test and never actually completed. Both instructors who were named and two service service center employees were fired in connection to the CERM. Uh, the, the scheme, the global reports. Officials say the road tests will be free of charge for those affected and those who failed. Their test will be reissued re and lear a learner's, learner's, permit. A learner's permit and be offered a Massachusetts ID card free of charge. So there you go, folks. Talk about... <laughs> Impressive. Most impressive. Thank you. Now for the fun part of living. I, I, wait, I thought that was the fun part, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have better news, I should say. All righty. Leave it to her to find the weirdest news that we could ever find. Oh, trust me, that was weird. Really, really weird. But here's something that's going to be funsy for you can take the children to. And uh, it's a free week, free winter fireworks back at the Berkshire County Western MA. Just when you think you can't take the cold weather for one more day, there is a light on the horizon. We're going to, we're talking about spring, but we're talking about the winter fireworks. This is... Um, <clears throat> so, usually by mid-February, cabin fever has a f has officially set off for folks in the went Western Massachusetts, and we're itching to get out of the house, and you know all the good stuff. It says um, it gets hope up early for spring. We better what better reason to to get the whole family out of the house for one of our country's favorite pastime, fireworks. Uh, normally, fireworks are associated with summertime celebrations, which is the kicking off of Memorial Season, the best Memorial Day, the best fireworks holiday of the year, the Fourth of July. Okay. And it says, but we can the speculate for <clears throat> they, spectacular. the spectacular in the winter. Winter, winter fireworks are back in downtown Pittsfield, <coughs> Mass. 
celebrating a 10 by 10 up street art festival on Saturday, February 26th at the First Street <coughs> Common, Common in Pittsfield. The Greylock Federal Credit Union has stepped up to sponsor this amazing 10 minutes of fireworks at the event that is free and open to the public. Uh, the show will start at 6 p.m. as possible. There will be a 10 minutes, of, 10 minutes, of, um, 10 minutes of fireworks to celebrate the festival with a bang. If you want to get there early, Berkshire United Way will be ha handing out, hanging out before the event for the afternoon full of fun, family fun before the fireworks get started. There's a rain date, and the rain date will be the 27th. Yeah, but that's not what, the, that's not that's what your what, copy says. That's not what my copy says. Your copy, now her copy says the rain date is today. The fireworks are the 26th. Yep. But the rain date is today. So if it rains on the 26th, we're going to back up time. And yeah, it's going to come back to today. You're going to get to hear the show again. And then we'll have a rain date. I, I'm pretty sure that was a typo. I think it's a typo, yes. It, it, Unless it's supposed to be the 28th. It might be the 28th. The 28th is a Monday, folks. So, no, they would not. They would go ahead <coughs> and probably do it for the 27th. If oh, not... Sunday. Never mind. Yep, it says a Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. That's that's the date. And what else you got? Uh, we we got time. Have another uh, interesting one. Uh, well, hold on a sec. She's got a whole bunch of stuff over there to do. She's got a whole bunch of stuff to do today. Apparently. Even though I speak monotonous. But yeah, sure. Let's go ahead and do it. <laughs> uh, Massachusetts no longer require requiring face masks for everybody indoors. Boss. Uh, Boston, Massachusetts, uh, the full Commonwealth of Massachusetts Shane's advisory on face masks Tuesday is updated and updated COVID guidance released by the Department of Public Health. The advisory no longer recommends that people, that, uh, people wear masks regardless of vaccination status and said masks are now Recommended for unvaccinated people and for those with underlying health conditions or other risk factors. Uh, recognizing that Massachusetts is a national leader in vaccine acceptance and in light of recent improvements in the COVID-19 indicators, the Department of Public Health now advises that a fully Vaccinated person should wear a mask or face covering when indoor, when indoors, and not, and obviously not in your own home. If you have a weakened immune system, <clears throat> if you are at increased risk for severe disease because of your age or underlying medical condition. Or if someone in a household has a weakened immune system and is increased risk of disease or is unvaccinated, the updated guidelines states masks are still required for everyone in certain settings like public transportation and healthcare facilities per federal rules. Uh, Governor Charlie Baker brought, brought back the face mask advisory, but not a mandate. For anybody in late December, as a highly contagious Omicron variant caused a sharp spike in COVID cases, but virus levels have dropped off dramatically in recent weeks, and the statewide positivity rating is now down to 3%. Uh, many, many communities like Boston... Continue in continuing the requirement to wear face masks indoor 
places open to the public statewide mass mandate is still in uh still in schools but it will end on the 28th so I there find you your go. lack of faith disturbing so there you go so there you go so we're really we're easing up on the mask uh, guidelines yeah so we have so my glasses don't Fog up when I go when I go to the grocery store. Yay! Cause you don't know how hard it is for somebody who has to wear a mask and has to wear glasses and they fog up and you can't see squat. Okay, is the cat comfortable on the cartboard? Yes, yes, is. she is actually. We have some pictures. I guess we'll post them on t- TBR website later of and the cat laying on our cartboard. Also, um. The kids will be happy after this week is this week is their vacation time. But when they go back Monday, they'll have something to celebrate. They're going to go ahead and not have to wear their masks in school. That is a big celebration for the little ones. Um, yeah, I don't blame them after having to wear them. I can't even. I, I'm sorry. The mask annoys me after about an hour to two hours in the store. I cannot imagine having to wear it for eight hours. In school, constantly. Seven days a week. Or, I'm sorry, five days a week. No. No. All right. We have solar news. Space weather we have. Holy stankies. How do we manage to do that? A sunspots group emerged on February 18th. Two more on February 11th. Or, on February 10th and two more on February 11th. Two more on February 14th and three more on February 16th. When the daily sunspot number rose to 111, the highest value for this reporting week and well above the weekly average of 75.3. Yay! The average for the previous week was 83.9. On February 17th, another new sunspot region emerged, but the daily sunspot number declined from 111 to 103. The 111 sunspot number was the highest since the end of 2021 when sunspot numbers were as high as 147 following a full days full a few days of no sunspots at all. On Thursday, February 17th, the daily sunspot image on spaceweather.com showed seven sunspot groups. The whole earth-facing side of the sun was peppered with spots. Average daily solar flux declined from 126 to 110.1. Average daily planetary A index went from 14.4 to 13. The average daily middle latitude A index declined just 1.3 points to 8.3. Why do we care about the sunspot numbers? Because high values correlate with greater density in the ionosphere, which gives us better propagation at higher frequencies. 64 years ago, sunspot numbers were so high that hams saw worldwide around-the-clock propagation on 10 meters. Sunspot numbers were never that high before or since. That was the peak of solar cycle 19. Newly licensed hams thought it would always be like that. It never was. <laughs> no. Predicted no. solar flux over the next month was downgraded from February 16th and 17th forecasts. It is 95 on February 18th and 19th, 98 on February 20th, 102 on February 21st. 22nd, 105 on February 24th, 108 on February 25th through 27th, 110 on February 28th, 115 on March 1st to 2nd, 112 and 110 on March 3rd and 4th, 108 on March 5th to the 8th, 105 on March 9th to the 11th, 103 on March 12th through the 13th, 100 on March 14th, 98 on March 15th to the 16th, 102 on March 17th to the 19th, 104 on March 20th to 22nd, 108 on March 23rd through 26th, and 110 on March 27th. Predicted planetary A index is 5. And anybody get those numbers for the lottery? (laughs) Yeah, anybody want to play those numbers? Predicted planetary A index is 5 on February 18th and 19th. 18, 15, and 12 on February 20th, 22, 10, 8, and 10 on February 23rd to the 25th, 15 and 10 on February 24th to 25th, 5 on February 26th, 
March 2nd, 12, 15, 10, and 8 on March 3rd. 6, 3rd through the 6th, 5 on March 7th through the 10th. 15 to 12 on March 10th and March 11th, 11 through 13. 5 on March 14th through the 18th, 8, 5, 12, 15, and 18, and 10. There's your lottery numbers. Uh -huh. On March 19th through the 24th, and 5 on March 25th tw through the 29th. The weekly commentary on the sun. Uh, solar activity has reached a moderate level, including occurrence of an M-class flares. The activity on the far side of the sun was greater, <coughs> as evidenced by CME obs observations beyond the eastern limb of the solar disk, we, which do not affect Earth's ionosphere. We observed exceptionally poor conditions of ionospheric propagation on 80 and especially 160 meters on the night of February 14th or 15th UTC. This caught... The cause was a several-day decrease in solar radiation X-ray level, accompanied by a decrease in the speed of the solar wind. As a source of ionization particles, the improvement started on the morning of February 15th, beginning from the eastern direction when the ionosphere was irradiated by the sun again. Solar activity is expected to rot. Oh, really? This is what caused the, 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 the other story with the uh, satellites to go poof. Is that what caused the satellites to go poof, poof? Yeah. Reaching Ouch. a flat quasi-maximum. We'll talk about that in a minute. In early March, the activity well, of Earth's magnetic lot, field then. should increase irregularly and only slightly again on the February 21st, 2021st and 24th and 25th, according to other sources, causing only the usual fluctuations in propagation conditions. Okay, so that's the space breathe, weather. Breathe, man, breathe. Yes, that, that CME and caused the uh, satellites to go and burn up. Caused Elon Musk a few million dollars to uh, watch them burn up in the atmosphere. That's important. Uh, really, like, holy, huh. holy shakies, but uh, that's quite impressive, wouldn't you say? Impressive. Most impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know much about, you know, too much about the, the well, science me, and everything, but I you, mean, come on. Let me put it to pretty you impressive. in layman's terms. Okay. Okay. You have the sun that spits out plasma. Hence a corona mass injection. Hence a corona mass injection. It goes through space 98 million miles, whatever it is from the sun, 86 million miles from the sun to Earth. The little satellites that are popped around, the big satellites <coughs> have a safe mode that they'll, the people that own the satellites um, put them in the safe mode and kind of point their solar cells and make them as flat as they can so that the corona mass ejection passes through them with the least amount of damage. Uh, SpaceX tried to do that, and this the, the CME just took them right out because it's plasma, it's electrons, it knocked out all their communications, it knocked out all, all their telemetry back to Earth, and these things just started to just fall back to Earth. If you get a CME that's big enough, and this is why you, you hear a lot of times that if we get a CME big enough, it'll affect the power grids on Earth. But it will, it can, de it can destroy satellites. That's incredible. That's what causes your beautiful little northern lights. Oh, okay. I've heard it's absolutely gorgeous, though. Yes, northern lights are, if you go up, you know, where you can see them, um, you can actually see what the Earth's magnetic field is doing as you get the green, the green lights. That's the plasma from the sun hitting. Affecting the magnetic. Hitting the Earth's magnetic field. Yeah. And that's that, what gives that's us our, that magnetic field, field is what gives us our propagation. And the sunspots. Sunspots so, yeah, spit out all these solar winds and these and these these plasma spits that it does, 
and that's what gives us the propagation. Yeah, that's that's. I know it was funny because we we talk about this and and the story that that one part of the story actually on a ham test about about um what is on what is in a natural event that <clears throat> you can see from the sun's uh from the sun having a chronomass ejection and one of the answers is the northern lights right. But we talked about this back in the show back in the 80s when I had my CD. Well, the Aurora Borealis. Northern same Lights, thing. same thing. Back in the 80s when I had my CB. Yeah. It was AM. <laughs> Five watts. Yeah. And I guess, you know, remember 11 meters, 27 megahertz is propagation dependent. Mm-hmm. So I'm on, I'm talking to my friend. Um, he, a couple miles up the road. Mm-hmm. And in between our talks, we hear Texas <laughs> coming in. AM, wow. AM, folks, on five watts. And we don't talk about AMDX a lot. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a show on AMDX. But do you know That'd at night, cool. you know people, you know what AMDXing is? Huh, what, what's that? Do you know what AMDXing is? No, not all particular. I used to do it a little bit. People have their little AM radios. Because at night, one, there's the, the, the sun's not beating down the earth so much, so it's easier to get signals out. And two, AM stations crank up their power. Uh, so you could be listening on your little AM radio, and you could hear stations from Chicago over the air. You could hear stations from New York City. You could hear stations from Ohio. So what people do is they try to see how far and and pick up these stations. And you'd actually send them in a report, like a reception report like you do on the shortwave stations. And a lot of them will send you QSL cards back. Even AM radio stations have QSL cards. So if you pick up, like, you know, W-O-N in Chicago. I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, people do do this. We don't talk about this. We'll do a show on this. But if you pick up, like, W-O-N in Chicago on AM, and you hear this, you listen to it for a while, send a reception report. You know, your signal is good. We heard you here. You know, you you would just give them a little bit of what was on the air. And they'll send you a card back. There's people that will try to see how far... And you don't need massive equipment and an antenna farm. And all. So all you need is a little AM radio for True. telescopic antenna. Or if you want, you can use your shortwave radio that you got an antenna or your HF radio that you got an antenna outside. So flip it on the AM dial over to the broadcast AM stations and try to see what you can pick up. I picked up WNEW in New York. I picked up a station in Ohio, and I picked up the big WON in Chicago. Nice. Interesting. Because, one, with the sun not beating down on the earth, signals go through easier. And like I said, two, AM stations kick up their power. FM stations, not so much. Yeah, I've used to notice um, the AM stations when we used to live in Albany. They would kick them up a little high. Uh, more so, more so at night than they did during the day. Yeah, there, there's. I, I guess there's some kind of law in place that at night, after a certain time at night, you can boost your AM power. You know, stations are you know, ten thousand watts or whatever it is that they put out during the day can go up to like fifty thousand at night. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting because um, so sit here and talk about radio. Got a shout out to uh, our 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 old our old radio that me and Pop used to listen to when I was back in Albany, eighty one WGY. Yes. Oh yeah, go ahead. Tell you it's our um, anniversary. Albany, New York. One hundred years, folks. One hundred years is um, a radio station in my hometown. Yeah, I may live here, but I'm still a New York girl at heart. Sorry. And we and, and if you anybody was ever in Albany, if you go down by 
what's called Westgate Shopping Center, you can see the WGY Tower. Yes, you can. The It says WGY on the side <laughs> of it. You can't miss it, folks. <laughs> yeah, 100, 100 years. Yeah, they just celebrated their um, their show by redoing the original show that actually occurred. So it's pretty impressive. Yeah, we, yeah. And what, they had Amelia Earhart on there before yeah. she took off. Yes, they we did. had what probably was the last interview by Harry Houdini. Yes, yeah, it, it is. And if you go there, they have um, what they call the Radio Museum. And it actually shows you, um, you know, the, the pictures of those who were there and some pieces that are quite impressive. Wasn't Don impre- Weeks impressive. a DJ there for a long time? Anybody remember Don Weeks? Yes. That's, that uh, matter of fact, he was on the news and they were talking to him uh, about it. And it was most impressive for me because I didn't know a lot of it. And it was really, really cool. So shout out to 100 years of 810 WGY, our radio, our yeah. radio colleagues in Albany, New York. Yep, yep. Happy anniversary, guys. Happy one, anniversary. One oh, they're on FM, too, 101.5 or something. Um, 810, 810 on the AM dial, 101.5, I think, on the FM dial. Do you want to say something? You're, you're, we only have one microphone. You have to share. Yeah, I know. We don't, we don't have and three microphones. Hard, and it's hard to do it when mom goes in hey, and, she, mo- and moves the microphone around. She's doing her shout-out. She's happy to do her shout-out. Yeah, well, she got it out. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. And congratulations to you guys on 100 years. And hopefully you guys can have 100 more. So there I'm, you go, guys. I want to get this story out because somehow we always run out of time. Somehow we always I'm gonna try do. to put this story out for, for, for a month from now. <laughs> Why didn't you say something? And somehow we always never have time. So we have time. So I'm going to do this. And guys, you already had your breakfast. Stop staring at me. Okay. That would be my fish. My cute little golf ball fish. Here's the thing of doing the show from home. Stare at me. Yeah. Okay. Numerous. This is research on ancient massive solar storms suggests a need to prepare for the next ones. This wraps up everything. Mm -hmm. We've been talking about all morning. Oh, yeah? Numerous powerful X-class solar flares occurred last fall as Solar Cycle 25 actively picked up. John Jones, N0JK, covered the event in his QST column, The World Above 50 Megahertz. In the February issue, he and he pointed out more powerful flares, and these have taken place, such as the Carrington event in 1859, which, which we've talked about, um, during which Aurora was seen in the South Pacific and in Cuba, and it sparked electrical fires. <laughs> wow! So, similar. That's what we talked about with the yeah, propagate. Remember we did a little bit, a little bit ago. Yeah, we were you want to? Yeah. You knock out your power grid. The Carrington event, and I think we yeah, had a I show remember. on it like last year. The Carrington yeah, event. Yeah, Was a, it was it was a CME that that, that hit was... the earth and fried the power the power <laughs> grid fried the. Uh, the, uh, it was a it was a um, it was an extremely big CME well, yeah, and it took out the pa- it took out power lines telegraph lines and it set the houses on fire set, set things on fire similar events took place in the 20th century but as Jones notes scientists are researching spectacular solar storms that took place as early as 71 76 BC Wow, wow. Or should we get politically correct and say BCE? Uh, however the case may be. And in 5259 BC, the huge solar flare some 9,200 9, years ago has convinced researchers that we are not ready for the next one. <coughs> On our modern technology would take a major hit. Yeah, also worrisome is that the Earth may have narrowly dodged a Carrington-level event in 2012. Uh, then in the University of Colorado, speaking at a NOAA space weather workshop, if it had hit, it, we would be pe- picking up the pieces. Uh, Jones said in 2013 Royal Academy of Engineering report that discussed the risk of a Carrington-level event. An extreme space weather event or solar superstorm is one of the number of potentially high impact but low probability natural hazards. A, uh, a Royal Academy of Engineering fellow and chair 
of the study working group that developed the report, extreme space weather can have impacts on engineered systems and infrastructures. Uh, ancient solar storm smashed at the, earth, at the wrong part of the sun cycle, and scientists are concerned. Uh, cites a study, cosmogenic radio, radio collides reveal an extreme <coughs> solar particle storm near a solar... Minimum 9,125 9, years ago. Uh, the co-author Raymond Mutcher, a geography researcher at the Lund University in Sweden, said these enormous storms are currently not sufficiently included in risk assessments. It is the utmost importance to analyze what these events could mean for today's technology and how we can protect ourselves. So... That, that was that in a nutshell, as, as Darlene, who's my director today, is flashing things at me. <laughs> Telling me it's time to wrap the show. So we'll get to your story next week. Not a problem. Hey, hey it suits me. So, yeah, that Carrington event fried a lot. lines and power yeah, grids and telegraph lines and fire, set things telegraph. on fire, which culminates with what we've been all talking horrible. about today with the CMEs and the propagation. So, Western Mass Traffic Net, 6 p.m., 146.91, hmm. or K1FFK-R. Yes. The Heavy Harris Traffic Net is on every day, but Saturday, make it easier on myself, <laughs> WENG 2 Oh, nice. And K1FFK-R on the Echo Link and K1FFK146.91. So, if anybody wants to tune in on Snets, tune them in. can't hear you unless you have a microphone in front of you. And remember, no one is going to hear your beautiful voice today because you have taken off for your birthday. That's right. I have no Nets today. This is the only thing I'm doing today. (laughs) Be happy, WTBR. It's the only thing I'm doing today. And the cat's still asleep. <laughs> the, cat, the cat just woke up. So just stop touching me. Next week, Fred Kemmer, AB1OC, yes. will be here in the uh, studio. Yes. Uh, March 2nd, I think. We'll have KC1KVY. Bob will be here. And he'll be talking about NTS and Heavy Hairs Traffic Net and taking traffic. Because we're still trying to get people to take traffic. Still trying to get people into Aries. So if you want to know about t- you want to know about traffic, kd2jkv at gmail.com. Yes, yes. We can get you in, get you hooked up to uh, take traffic. I just dropped some information off to Dave Wyatt, who is a who works in the back here. Uh, he's a, he's an amateur radio operator. And yes. He wants to start learning how to take traffic. So Woo-hoo, do it. That's always good. So yeah. I dropped some stuff off for him. Last words from the, the from the crew. Stay safe. Uh, and enjoy the fact that the youngins don't have to wear a mask on the 28th. Yay! The youngins don't have to wear masks. <laughs> um, if you guys are looking for to donate to any local charity since taxes are back, uh, look into donating at the Berkshire Humane Society, 413-445-7878. Go ahead and on Barker, they're on Barker Road. Go ahead and donate, please, to them. Thank you. And you can always click the donate button here at WTBRFM and yes. donate to us. We'll take your money, too. Yes. On behalf of Peter, Jesse, and Darlene, and Melanie, who's not here, and Carol, who's not here, 73, everybody, and we will talk to you next week. 73, everybody. Happy week. Wednesday. 73, take care. <laughs>